Welcome to episode four of Me and Virgil, a Genesis Brothers podcast. Well, me and Virgil, we beat the desert, we're riding fast and riding hard. We hit the city, the past behind us, so we race some hell. We had some fun, washing dishes and making So welcome back to our two-parter of the album special of We Can Dance. I am joined here, as always, by my brother, Alex C. Talenta, a.k.a. A.k.a. Virgil. <laughs> Welcome back to the two-parter. Little did we know this was going to be a two-parter, but I guess we had a lot to say it's about this album. It's almost like the album our first Genesis album we ever listened to and made a huge impression on us that we have many things to say about it after, you know, enjoying it for 30 years. It appears to be that way, yeah. So... So for those of you who are wondering, for those of you who are wondering, like, well, we're good because we're going to basically focus on side two today. Those of you who are like in this coming from the the world of CDs, that basically means we're going from songs six from from song number six. I'm sorry, from song number seven onwards. And because we right. spent the last episode, uh, which turns out to be a full episode, uh, talking about the first six songs of the album "We Can't Dance," because uh, we had a lot to say about it, and it took a long time. Right. So we decided to split this into two episodes. So we'll see what. So if you're uh, if you're confused, why we're starting in the middle here. Go check the last episode to start at the beginning. If side two is your favorite side of the album and you just love those songs more than anything else, then just stick with this episode, I guess. Stick around, yeah. <laughs> stick around. So yeah, well, without any further ado, we'll just jump straight into it. And we shall kick off then this uh, song seven, side two. A fantastic track, in my opinion, called Tell Me mm -hmm. Why. For me, I just, I love this track. From the first second I heard it, those thumping drums kicking in, hitting your face. And it has a very, it has a very, it's got a very kind of 60s feel to it, I have to say. Mm-hmm. It got, even with that well, this is guitar. Well, got, you've, got, um, you've got Mike doing his 12-string. He brought out the 12-string just for this. That's right. And it gives it, I was thinking of this recently, and it's reminding me of, okay, now that I'm actually going to have to say it, I've forgotten what I was thinking of. The Birds, um, and what's their song? Um, time, what is it? So go, no, Turn, Turn, Turn. Oh. Birds song. It's kind of like that bit, you know? True. The dun, dun, True. Dun, dun, True. And it's obviously sped up a bit, um, but it's kind of similar to that. But a great, you know, side two opener of just like, 
just when you thought you know you might be coming to the lesser songs on the album bam we hit you with this great one it's it's yeah and it's a great it's really in your in your face and it just really brings up the tempo and especially when you've just come from something like dream away sleep which is a very mid-tempo dark mm-hmm. one and even though the subject matter of this song is also not exactly positive happy um everything about the cause and everything is all just positive and well major at least you know so um right major exactly it is major and that's true i keep forgetting that the 12 string is back uh after so many years <laughs> i mean when was the last sean was it like did he even make it did he even make an appearance on duke or even and then where there were three i don't know but um <laughs> it's great to have it back and i'd love to know how that came about and everything and it's another phil lyric this song but yep. knowing what the song is about, I suppose that's no, really no surprise, really. Um, right. Especially coming off of uh, But Seriously. <laughs> especially coming off that. Especially coming off But Seriously. So in a way, I guess you can call it Phil's Another Day in Paradise Part 2. And <laughs> it's, it's about all about the famine. But Or think... Colors Part 2. Well, there was a Part 2 to Colors. Colors Part 3. Oh, geez. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, God. <laughs> um, but I think this one in particular was focusing on the famine in... Well, Ethiopia, for some reason, I read about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was particularly about this. Um, yeah, and of course, it's so as is a Phil lyric, the very first text you're reading uh, or you listen to, it says, Mother's crying in the street, children dying at her feet, tell me why. So instantly, you just know what the song's going to be about. It's like, okay. So I mean, if you need a little more, the next line is people starving everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Too much food and there's none to spare. Also, and then and then in classic um, Phil fashion, as he, he writes these kind of you know protest songs, the next lyric too is "There's too much food but none to spare." Mm-hmm. As in, there's plenty of food in the world, but we can't work together enough to can't. spread it around. Yeah, I can't seem to figure it out and keep arguing about it. Yeah, it's and it's so. That's what this, that's what the song is about, and it's and I, and you know that. As far as I know, Genesis haven't really touched on this before. You know, it's a, it's a new, refreshing mm-hmm. story for them. I mean, they've had their protest songs before in terms of like Atlantic Confusion. And I suppose even, uh, you know, we're driving the last spike. It, it kind of is a, a little bit like that as well. It's almost like mm-hmm. a, like a, what's it called? Um, a, a, a testimony in a way. So yeah. about that. So, yeah. And, but uh, with that though, it's like, it's great thumping beats like i said it, it just kind of reminds me of the 60s kind of vibe where snare is just kind of going on all four beats i know this song is not doing that but i it, i just get that feel you know and you what it does kind of really with, the, with the, the chorus with it. is it or whatever or whatever it is when it speeds up there is part of you know certain part of the song where it is there you go there you go that's that's what, that, yeah. that's true that it, it does yeah. happen in the chorus um which is a fen- phenomenal chorus i absolutely love the chorus of the song got powerful fill harmonies as well and yeah, can you see beautiful. that shaft of sunlight can you see it in my eyes it's 
It's just, I I love singing this. Full of emotion well. again from Phil. A lot yep. of emotion. Yeah, yeah, singing along. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, belting out the lyrics. Yep. It's really, it's a really catchy song. It's a really catchy song, and no surprise. I just feel with with Phil writing this, he probably was thinking back to. The birds, maybe the holly, you know, just Perhaps. different '60s bands, and yeah, going maybe that harmony and that feel. True, getting a bit of that '60s. And that's when Mike's like, "Well, why don't I pull up my twelve-string and do it like this?" Uh, and, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of tambourine on this as well, so I'm guessing we got a little hint mm-hmm. of his old Motowny influence on yeah. this track as well. Yeah, yeah. It just, and then that, with that with that constant track. beat that happens at certain parts during the song. I always feel that's a hard thing to do because it's very easy to sound like, no, oh, stop it with the drums. It's a little too much, you know, but you've got to find the right song to do that and the right balance to do it in. And it works well on this song. Yeah. 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 I, and I love the Phil snare on this album. It's just, it's he's got a very, very thin snare, but it just, it's so in your face, but it just has this perfect amount mm-hmm. of, of tone and sustain that just cuts out immediately, mm-hmm. but it's still enough to stay there to be, to definitely show that it's very present. And it works so well, especially. So, is on it a di- you would say is it a different snare to um, No Son of Mine? No, I think I think it's the same one. I think he used the same snare for the entire mm-hmm. album. Um, I know mm-hmm. Phil likes to connect, collect snares, and use loads of snares. But as far as I know, it's mm-hmm. the same one for the album. It just seems like because on No Son of Mine, it feels like such a dominant sound yeah. Yeah. drum in the song, whereas yeah. with this one, it feels more not quite as forward. Well, I, it could also be the case like there's definitely a lot more I think instrumentation on this. With that, you got a percu- mm-hmm. bit more percussion, tambourine, and obviously twelve string as well. So it could also be yeah. a case of like a little bit of a mixing thing where it's not so in your face in a way, I suppose. But it's definitely still and I guess, there. Um, definitely still present. Tony could have tried to do more because it's mainly just him and the piano here, just doing mm-hmm. stuff, nice accompanying piano stuff that makes as well. But he could have added more with like you know, well maybe some keyboard sounds, some chords, and things like that. But it feels like that might have been too much, you know. Perhaps and that it's just right the way it is. Perhaps. Perhaps, yeah. And again, yeah, it's true. Apart from maybe driving the last spike and with some little honky tonk piano on I Can Dance. Well, the, but actually, mm-hmm. I was going to say there's not really been any major keyboard moments with Tony. But then again, it's only been real like like either rhythmical sounds, special sounds with No Sort of Mine and then that little reggae, Jesus mm-hmm. He Knows Me kind of vibe. And then little melodies. But otherwise, Tony's been kind of like, Sitting back a little bit, you know, with the last few songs, never of time. I mean, he's got his, he's got his chords, his beautiful chords. His chords are definitely yeah, there. So chords are definitely there. Yeah. But then maybe, for all you know, maybe they did. You know, the, what the tracks we're going to talk about that have the solos, "Living Forever," "Away the World," and "Fading Lights." Maybe they did those early on, and they're like, "Okay, Tony, you need to take a break on the next few songs." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it just ended up with the layout of the album that they ended up being later mm. on the album. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Now it's just. Um, this song wastes no time in you know taking you from you know the first chapter chapter a chapter b chapter c you know just straight mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. first course first course bridge and then even the middle eight as well and it's a very power it got some really powerful lyrics in those worlds basically about saying like you know we're still it's been years since this has carried on yet we're still talking about this because nothing's changing you know it's like no one's doing enough about this subject matter, you know, and lyrics like... Who well, would, and I who, feel like... <laughs> who would think they're still going to happen talked in about this time this Yeah, but I also feel like, hey, guess what? Those lyrics still resonate just as strong today yep. in 2023. Yep, yep. Which is why um, I, I, I I was thinking about this today, actually, that sadly, I think I've got some reasons, these are potential reasons why, or theoretical reasons why, maybe that when the song, this song was actually released, released as a single... 
It just right. did not do as well as the others. In fact, it was did not do really well. Well, it did it did okay, but I think it ended up in like in the top forties. Um, was it like to, the was it was a was it the was it the last single on the album? It, the, that's it another thing as well. It, yeah. that's another thing. It was the last single. It was the fifth single, I think. Um, but that can't be right. Because no, you had no son of mine. Jesus, he knows me. I can't dance. I can't dance. Hold on my heart. Oh, was that was a single. That's right. That was a single. Yeah, that yeah. That was a single. Okay, so this was number. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is this was this is number five. Yeah, this is the fifth single. Which is too album. bad, since all proceeds from the single were donated to charity, but it didn't yeah, do as well. Also true, but it did not do as well. And I remember even yeah. Tony saying in the documentary, saying like, you know, when when this came out and that's where it landed, to him he felt like, mm. okay, there's a change happening in the air. There's something something's different. Mm. Something's something's happening with the band here, and he felt like this could have maybe been like and when he said that change it's almost as if they'd say like maybe this might be not the end for us to sound that dramatic but the way he mm. said that it just felt like okay mm. something different is happening here but i think so would you say that he said he said there's something happening in the air tonight those were his exact words right ex those were exact <laughs> words yeah <laughs> but i think just because it was the last single from the album mm. you know if maybe mm. it was like maybe earlier on maybe if it came like as the third single or heck even the fourth single mm. perhaps then maybe it might have been different might have might have climbed higher up and plus unfortunately i think just not i'm not saying that everyone thought this but perhaps because especially being a phil lyric but yet phil was singing it it's like well here's phil going on again singing about world hunger and famine right. it's like phil yeah. you spent two years singing about this a whole album singing about this we've heard it let's move on it's like well you can't move on you know it's like unfortunately this subject matter this and climate change is still very much in our in our mm -hmm. minds and in our headspace today and we keep talking about but, it because uh, to hopefully get other people to help and do something about it you see so yeah but let me play devil's advocate for a moment mm. as i was recently discovering this apparently was in the live set list for a little bit in very early rehearsals and then soon got dropped yeah. if it had stayed in the show more people would have known about it i don't Perhaps. know when the fifth single came out was it during the tour no if idea. they were playing it all around maybe people would have known more about it gone out to buy it you know that's a very good that's a very or good he could point. have done and he could have done what he did with, um, actually it was for um, Another Day in Paradise during the But Seriously tour when he had asked for donations, remember, from people to put it in the yep. in the buckets on the way out and stuff like that. And yep. just, yeah, help support. Yep, true, 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 true. Um, Are you looking it up real quick? I'm just trying to find out when it was released um, as the single. Although, wow, I'm discovering here that the B-sides of the single are just all live versions of Dreamy While You Sleep, Turn It On Again, Tonight, 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 Mama, Brazilian, Invisible Touch. I want to have that single. It was uh, released. It's saying it was released in the UK oh, you got it. the 8th of oh, February, 8th of 1993. February. Oh, God. That's the so end of well the tour. That's, that's beyond the tour. That's past the tour. Mm-hmm. That's this is that past uh, the way we walk longs volume two the longs I think too. Oh, true. Yeah. Oh, maybe I don't know. I'm not sure when I came. Yeah, because the album came ninety one, and then the shorts came out in December ninety two, and then the longs mm -hmm. came out in January ninety three. I think January ninety three. So this was literally the last thing yeah. that they released. Okay. And if they'd been maybe if they'd been playing it every every damn show. Yep. Yeah, people would have remembered it more. Would have been like, oh, we're going to buy this and just what about? Who knows? I wonder why. 
it was dropped. Yeah. Because hmm. it can be. It's a very powerful. Pal- it's a very. Or maybe one day, song. one day, an interview will show up on YouTube, and we will know. Yeah. Unlikely. Yeah. Well, there's a lot. Yeah. Well, there's another song which we will be touching on later on, which also was also in their set, and there is actually audio footage yeah. of them rehearsing it. Yes. But it was. But actually, it was, isn't was, that the next song? Uh no. Oh 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 my God! That else they they also did this song. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I thought you were segueing, Dan. You were uh, setting up your segue. Oh no, I was thinking of you another. You can redo it if you want. I was thinking of another song actually. But yeah, they did. Uh, they did touch on another like song on this album, which they did have in the set at some point. Uh, no idea why it was dropped, but that, funny enough, is actually the song which we're going to be touching on next, which is uh, another fantastic track, groovy track called "Living Forever." <laughs> It's not Live Forever by Oasis. Don't get confused by that. I was going to say, I was going to say because that track came out years later, but actually, no, it only came out three years later, that track. Yeah, <laughs> so not too much. It felt like it. But yeah, so Living Forever. And finally, we have a Tony lyric. Yay! And a Tony solo. <laughs> and a Tony solo. Yes. That's a fantastic solo, of course. But- and also another song that... Like, like, no son of mine, and then you know, bringing it up again with Jesus, He knows me. You have tell me why with some cool drums and really lift it up, and then living forever again explodes with drums and picks you up even more. Yeah, I'm quite intrigued to know what exactly is going on there with the drums because it sounds like a lot of like brush work, you know. And basically, basically, mm-hmm. like you can have drumsticks, wooden drumsticks, but you can also have these what's brushes, and they basically have these little metallic wires that are stuck into these little rubber sticks. And that's what's what create. That's what jazz drummers use a heck of a lot of. You know, it can be it can be mm-hmm. used with right. can be made Brushes, with some other yeah. other material as well. But it's mostly used with these wires, and it sounds like a lot of brushwork is on that. But I think to quote Phil when he was asked if he if he played brushes on what was the track now? Oh bugger! It was an old Genesis track, I believe. And he basically said, "I can't play. I can't play brushes to save my life." He said something like that, even though he does play brushes only a few years later on his big band tour. So don't know what he's going on about. Yeah. Right. Well, then he then he finally just he remembered this part obviously, and then said, "No, I'm going to learn to play them now." That's probably what he did. I yeah. mean, maybe it was a it was a drumstick, and it was just you know in, musically engineered to sound very soft and almost brushless. Yeah, it could either be that, or it could just be like another drum machine, that that good old drum machine that mm. perhaps they used it that as well. Too. We probably it too. Yeah. 
can actually tell what is live and what it's... is programmed or what not. Only up until the light, only yeah, until the true. solo, the keyboard solo, the instrumental section kept in at the end. I was about to say because you have the you have the intro and then as he goes into the verse, then you have that soft mm. almost drum machine thing, mm -hmm. which goes on until you get to the solo and then the drums like kick in like, hey, now we're gonna get really groovy and cool. And Tony, bring us your solo. Yes. So to, to carry on with a little trend that we've got going on here with these episodes is that we'll touch on the first lyric of this song. And being a Tony lyric, of course, it's like <laughs> the first lyric, I'm feeling so confused today. It's like, ah, oh, good, Tony, you've arrived. <laughs> yes. <laughs> touch us with your mysteriousness, you know. Um, yeah, I'm feeling so confused today. It's They've gone and changed the rules again. It's like, uh, what are you going on about? What? So, yeah, you just... You want to listen because you're kind of curious what the heck is this is all going to be about. But it sounds like as it sounds like as if the song is about longevity, living forever. Well, to me, when I was listening to this again recently, and I was going through the lyrics along, to me, um, it sounded like again a lot to do with living long and and wanting to take various pills and drinks mm. and other, you know, supposed helping liquids that will change your life and actually are just you know made up cocktails that don't actually help you at all but are just made to make a fast buck and get money out of oh. you um and the way i interpret it is just you know it's almost like diet fads there's always a new one every year every five mm. every 10 years of a new thing i see a lot of this as a daily postman where i'm delivering actually there's one i think it's called was it young living it's called or younger living ah. it's like some pills i deliver to various customers and things like that too and it's just i see this all the time and Everyone oh, has okay. So there's this gimmick this is, that's supposed to make you feel, yeah. So this is what he's going on about with the first lyric, saying they've gone and changed the rules again, yep. and saying like, yep. okay, right, this is the one that's going to make you live forever. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, it's like no, you shouldn't drink coffee anymore. Or I mean, you, sh the, you should, you should, you should have this instead. But it's like no, you actually, you know what? You yeah. should drink or, coffee if you want to live forever. That's what you should do. <laughs> coffee's yeah. going to kill you. No, coffee's going to make you live longer. Yeah. Okay. Or on the second verse where he says, I heard it on the radio, you know, too much of what they said wasn't so. Mm. It's like they're saying one thing now and then they're saying a different thing next week, you know? Yeah. Because it's all about, uh, again, very resonating lyric for today in 2023 where, you oh, know, God. you can't always believe what you hear no. online and elsewhere too because it's a lot of what media it? manipulation. They're just saying whatever they want to get clicks and likes and whatever they need to get more attention instead of actually selling oh, goodness. a Well, product. yeah, I mean, you type in saying... I want to have a long life. I want to live the longevity lifestyle. You just put that into YouTube. Be prepared to be confused and to, <laughs> and to have too much of what they said. So, Because that you just be bombarded with various videos, courses, of all these people with their own opinions. And, you know, who some of them can be true and some of them probably just don't have a clue what they're talking about or whatever. It's just, it's yep. a very... It's a very, it can be a sensitive subject matter to talk about. And my wife and I in particular, we we really kind of looked into that a few years back as well in the particular, like saying like, you know, I, I mean, obviously everyone wants to live a good long life, have a long lifespan under their belt. And we would love to be Healthy living. Healthy life, yeah. We would love to be living well into our hundreds, you know, and to reach that point to, and to look back and just think like, yeah, we, we did that with our lifestyle, you know. So we've paid a bit more attention to that in the last few years. So, but I, it's a it's a quite a cool subject matter that Tony's going that Tony's talking about. Um, again, twenty years of listening to this. Almost in some song, ways, as we're as we're talking really about it, it's about. almost quite down to earth for Tony in many ways. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, true. I mean, yeah, at the same time, it it does have a little bit of a twist. It's kind of like, okay, we're going to talk about living forever. But it's all BS. (laughs) A bit of a fantasy element to it that he always liked, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So this was in the, uh, as we mentioned, this was in the set list for a little bit and you've got actual rehearsal footage of it which yes. we'll link in the show notes here That's I right. was trying to remember because we saw the set list too and I was trying to remember was it it was Land of Confusion No Son of Mine and then I think it was Living Forever before Driving the it, Last Night I think it was it? like I think it was really early in the set yeah. That's right. I think it was like track 3 or yeah, something which I, think, which I think is brilliant yeah. Yeah, because then you've got mm-hmm. Phil drumming straight away as well the... I mean I wonder if they'd, if they'd kept this in and then tell me why they'd kept in and then the other track whatever later too like because Phil's coming off his but seriously tour where if you take the tour as a whole he played every song except um, Father to Son off but seriously at some point live during the thing which is yep. like yep. that's amazing for an album to play like yep. almost every song yeah and maybe they'll go for a similar thing here I mean when you know they're all good songs you want to play them don't you Cause, totally. especially because it's a fresh new music that you're really into well it's always going to be that tough decision right because obviously you got to play the singles but then you want to play yeah. I mean there was no doubt in their mind that like well we've got to do like driving the last spike it's just this big big number and phil you wrote the words oh, for it so true. let's let's really take this out you mm-hmm. know and see what it's like and then but then you go okay now we've got the other album tracks which one are we going to do which one would sound great it's always going to be the tough uh call to be like okay well let's just play this and see what it sounds like especially having their live members okay let's see what daryl and chester brings to this as well because they got to put their stamp on it as well. In a way. I mean, they could have easily fixed this by just performing for three hours instead of two and a half, you know? I mean, yes, just, that's right. That's right. You know, that's, I, don't see I think what they the did do it in was. the early 70s with shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I think what well, the song did eventually, it did appear online, but only for like the first 30 seconds. There were like, there was like news coverage somewhere in the States, and they said, oh, mm. yeah, and this is Genesis, and you heard little snippets, and of course, that was like for a while. That was like a golden gem for uh, you know any Jesus. Phil yeah. dance era fans, you know. But then finally, the full version appeared. Don't know, can't remember where from. Uh, I don't think it was. I don't think it was from, from anywhere like the Genesis Museum or anything like that. It just it just was there suddenly mm-hmm. on YouTube. Showed up, yeah. And... This documentary of the rehearsal in Texas, I think, isn't it? Okay, yeah, I think so. I can't remember what it was. But the whole, oh, in this the giant, whole... the giant hangar. Oh, this giant stuff, hangar. Yeah. That's right. They were still rehearsing, and that's yeah. right because they definitely. Well, that's wasn't... the only way they could put the fit the stage in. Yes, yeah. <laughs> huge. Oh, that's right. In, that's right. In Houston, that's where it was. Yeah, but um, yeah, but the full version is there, and it sounds great. And then, so and then... except except that Tony's solo something happens on the keyboards, and he has to change something mid solo. Is it? goes down a tone or something it's something weird and then he has to switch it back oh, so maybe there's another rehearsal recording somewhere else you know it's a it's an old medley <laughs> moment for me of oh now it's tra- it's not quite perfect because it's a little weird bit in the middle ah right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> true no but I, it's a really so maybe there's another video somewhere out of it maybe you know, who knows we'll see if it emerges in the next decade or so yeah. but mm-hmm. it's a really Again, very different track from the rest of the album. It's quite funky, actually. Mm. It's, it's got a big, mm-hmm. a cool, funky feel to it, you know, with these mm-hmm. very uh, bombastic drum pads and things going on like this, and then these very and it could have when the, when the solo comes well. in too. It could have it could have changed too. They could have changed it a bit going into the solo, but they keep it going, which is kind of cool. What the wonderful guitar work from Mike? Just the classic rhythmic yep. Mike. Did did did. 
Yeah, not doing too much, doing just enough. Yep. Yeah, yeah, just perfect. Just perfect, perfect temperature for the soup. Yes. And a fantastic ending, too. Yeah, well, just, we've yeah. just, we've just, that's the thing. We've just gone through, like, all these strong wordings, you know, about who can, you know, what can you listen to? What, you know, what are you going to pay attention to? Um, and then I think the bridge part as well saying, I know we don't need you. You know, we don't believe you. You don't really have the answers. Uh, and I just, I, but I do love when they go back into a third and final verse that little bit of just extra topping on the cake. We've just suddenly got a tambourine coming in there, and then these beautiful, yeah. filled harmonies. Yeah. And it almost, it almost makes me wonder as if to think like, you know, I wonder if like it mm-hmm. starts off with one person kind of complaining, wanting what to do, and then a little bit of extra harmony comes in. Now we've got a few more people, and it's almost as if like verse three. Now you've got a whole crowd of people just hands in the air, going like, "Come on, what the f is going on? Just give us an answer for God's yeah. sake!" We know you're, you're, you're stringing us along and you're not actually telling the truth yeah you're so just they, trying you to just, like they're, they're marching down the street protesting hey this, yeah. this sounds like another mm-hmm. protest song to be honest protest from Tony yeah. <laughs> it's to say very who surprising should, from who Tony, should we yeah. listen to you know and uh, and then but a very powerful lyric though at the very end because all this time it's about living forever living forever you know but then the last lyric is like do you really want to live forever and that just yeah. oh that really it's almost like okay a nice little classic Genesis thing to like kind of close off this subject matter in yep. a way. Very, very wonderfully done. And then of course and we get with into, the cool drums. And then we get into this. It kind of breaks down a little bit. You know what was going on. Yep. Classic mic. And then oh, these drums kicking you're like, oh, we're going somewhere now. We're going somewhere. I like it. And then one of my favorite moments in the album, you know, second Tony starts playing. It's 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 a, a blissful moment for me as well. It's uh, and then just crescendos into this insane, uh, dramatic, wonderful, awesome piece, and it's just unbelievable. I love it. And again, from a drummer's perspective, it's tons of fun to play to. Tons of fun to play. Oh, I too. bet. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, lots of fun fills and playing around and stuff. Yeah, especially with the the kind of funky beat too. I was just thinking though with how great this song ends and that "Tell Me Why" fades out. Mm-hmm. How, how would they have ended Tell Me Why when they were playing it live? I bet it would have been really cool. Well, that's the thing. And I think with a couple of songs in, a um, little spoiler, mm. that, that, that's, that's one of the reasons why they dropped that song, which is the later song. Um, apparently, that's the story it goes, that they dropped it because they could not figure out how to end the song. Even though there's audio, oh, okay. even though there's audio footage of them rehearsing it and they actually do end it. But... I guess they were just never too happy with how it ended. So, and with Tell Me Why, yeah, you kind of want. You talking about Living Forever or Tell Me What? You're talking about Living Forever here, right? I know the the, the um no. two songs. We're talking two songs away from here now. So, <coughs> oh okay, right. yeah, yeah. Um, no, Living Forever, like thankfully, just it ends exactly like that. You see, so. Um, yeah. I'm curious. I'm I mean, just tell me why they could have brought why... back the they could have brought back the opening in some way to end it on that way too. Perhaps it, yeah, it starts out so good and then. Much like like, forever, I do. I do ranged. wonder though why this was dropped. It's, you know, I I don't know whether they just thought like compared to other tunes and trying to fit out fit in more tunes. I mean, who knows? Maybe this was in there before the whole whole medley thing was in there yet, and they just thought, oh god, now we've got like twenty five minutes of music here. We're going to have to drop a few things. I don't know. So I want to go find Tony and interview him and ask him these, you know, point blank questions. He'll probably be a bit pissed off if we get at first saying, oh, still talking about this old stuff, huh? I go. 
But he tends to, at least even if it's not true, he tends to remember in detail and stuff, so he probably mm. remember why. Yeah, he'd be like, I just didn't like that my lyric in that one song, so that's why I cut it. Yeah, no doubt it'd be like, so it's, he'll be like, oh, well, it was my decision, basically. It's like, I, I figured I figured that, Tony. I figured that, yeah. But why? <laughs> so, but yeah, a great... All right, uh, one? Yes, a great, so a great, you know, a great number to follow with, Tell Me Why. Very different. And then, um, you know, definitely could use a breather after this. Great. Right, bring things down Awesome classic Genesis moment into Hold On My Heart. The title of the song is said in the very first line. You know, hold on my heart. You just mm-hmm. think, ah, you know it's coming. You know it's yeah. coming. Nice love song. Yep. Very nice love song. Uh, working title, Bert. Named oh, after was it, was Bert, it Bert, Bert Was it Bert? I was going to say Bert Bacharach. Yeah, yeah, named after Bert Bacharach. Sadly, also now, the late Bert Bacharach. Not too long ago, right. he's he sadly passed. Mm-hmm. No, it's because uh, that Tony just really used these chords that reminded them him a lot of Burt Bacharach, you see, so. Uh, Burt Bacharach's one of my early heroes, really. And um, I love the way he uses chords and was able to have big hits with, with songs that used a multitude of chords. And I suppose the song Hold On My Heart, which we call okay. Burt, you know, has an element of that. Oh, okay. And that's why, that's why they, really nick- they nicknamed it. And, um, and I know that Phil kind of argues with this song as well about this song because obviously i'm so i wouldn't be surprised if this was another one of those ones that fans could have just been like okay well it's fine but it could have i i personally go up and down on it i'm think right now i'm on an up still um i mean it's <laughs> tough because it's like if it's live it's like okay yeah, it's a nice song but i could do with a lot an older genesis song i'd prefer to have in here however well, it's, it's the pee break song, it's a beautiful yeah, so. song and yeah, right. And it's a beautiful song. He sings it really well. Even mm. live, he sings it beautifully and hits such incredible notes. The chords are beautiful. Guitar bit is beautiful in it, too. It's just, it's a very well done song. Mm. I would just prefer to have Abacab. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, again, it just sounds like something that was just, I would, even though it might not seem like it, but another one that was just probably just jammed out, and Phil probably had had the drum track. Yeah, there's definitely no no real drums. There's some cymbal stuff going yeah. on in this song, but otherwise it's yeah. just all drum tracks. And I think that probably Phil found this groove, and then just Tony started just playing these beautiful chords, and then Mike with this wonderful mm-hmm. pluck, plick, plucking guitar stuff. You know. Uh, which reminds me a little bit of like living years, you know, that I was just about to say that. Yep. That's what started playing in my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was playing in my head too. That's probably going to be thinking of it. So again, a wonderful, a wonderful collaboration with the three of them. And yeah, as you say, Phil does a, a beautiful job. Again, there is footage from the, the no admittance documentary, but 
where again showing footage of Phil doing it and good 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 next choice to show Phil singing of this one because you can't really not struggle you know with this piece it's very low it's quite low for his range actually it's quite low for mm -hmm. his range but yeah he had, he had no problem would no hadn't have no problem singing this and even for the tours that followed this with the weekend dance tour and even for the reunion tour it, they're in exactly the same key well at the end when he does it live too um at, towards the end of the song when he just starts you know holding mm. out and just it, beautifully the way he hits these different notes you know it's right really, yeah higher the, and higher. Well, the not classic, higher and higher, the, but louder and louder and stuff the classic feel just you know, kind of like ad-libbing with melodies yeah. guiding the band you know taking them out taking yeah. them on but but by this point though he's super experienced from all his solo tours doing those kind of things you know a bit of like the whole one more night vibe you know where the drum track fades out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then it's just him kind of like guy conducting everyone you know with these vocals and everything so it reminds me of that. or take me home live too at the end of take me yep. home yeah 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 uh, mm -hmm. he knows what he's he knows what he's doing he knows it works he knows the crowd loves it it's quite and i think it's one of his favorite songs too that's why yeah. i like to sing it it's quite quite amusing as well in the um turn it on again uh tour uh documentary where they're rehearsing it and <laughs> they're trying to figure out when does the drum track when's the drum track supposed to fade out and they, like he does it two or three times he's literally counting the bars I guess from the previous tour, the way we walk stuff, he's literally mm. counting the bars of like how many times is it until the track starts to fade out. It's like, oh, okay, by bar yeah. 10, we're out, you know? So it's like, can I just, it's like, do you really want to like, do you really want to make it identical to the last one, you know? But right. just because like it worked so well last time, you know? So let's just do yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, perfect placement in the album, I think, too, to mm -hmm. kind of bring things mm -hmm. down a bit and, yep. you know, yep. quiet yep. moment, nice little. Again, a sad kind of song as he tends to write love song of mm -hmm. of a relationship that's on the on the rock. And yeah, uh, hold on my heart. Then again, it brings it down feeling. nicely, nice and soft, and then sets up great for the next song. Mm. Well, just one last thing I want to say, I like that. that mm -hmm. Very rare moments for him though, like to really sing high falsetto mm -hmm. in that bridge part. The whole "I will yeah. be there." He really, I mean, to nail that every single time, mm. it's very. It could go either way, here or there, you know. And he really, and even for the reunion tour in 2007, tour, you mean you can tell his voice is much, much thinner. And at that point, and yeah. a lot of the tunes he had to like drop. But for all of my heart, he still nailed it. He still got it there. And and like I said, to really, I, bet, anyone, I wonder if he would have wanted it for uh, Last Domino, and he's like, nope, it's just not happening anymore. Yeah. But like, I mean, you ask like a. Uh, it's 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 a, it is a tough one to try and really mm. get that tune without auto tune, you know. Right. Really now or that or a woman high, singing it who can sing higher. Yeah, also true. Yeah, but anyway, it's a it's a nice tune. As you say, it's a great place on the album, which uh, it's a beautiful little little dynamic to then bring us back up again to again amazing track, way of the world. Introduced opening with drums again open with drums again yeah and i love i love those drums the blah bloom bloom and yep. it's just in your face and but i did find out and again through the i think the um the making of documentary 
that the mm-hmm. drum, I think the drum tracks itself, even though that snare does sound like Phil, apparently it is a programmed track. So maybe he just did a okay. few takes and then they just grabbed it and then just looped it, you know? Maybe they did something like that. I don't know, because at one point, though, you're listening to the track and Phil looks at the camera and he says, Nice drum you're hearing now. I didn't play. <laughs> I wasn't good enough. <laughs> I mean, maybe that was one of the, it was one of the last songs they did or something and they're starting to crunch time as they, they're starting needing to release mm. the album and get everything off to, to get it made and stuff. Yeah, maybe, you know. yeah. I mean, all those fills that you're hearing, they're all they're all live. They're all, you know, Phil doing himself mm-hmm. with the cymbals and everything. Uh, but yeah, again, amazing chords. I mean, it's a, it's a Mike lyric, right? I think I was just checking. I, I, I think so. I thought it was a Tony lyric, to be honest, actually. Well, it says it says Tony and Mike were involved in it. Well, my little chart I have here, they're in both in bold, but Mike is underlined, which I think is even more. Okay. And it's, you know, another bit of a protest song about the way of the world. And You're right. No, those Mike, who have Mike, it and uh, those who don't. According to Wiki, uh, lyrics, Rutherford. Yeah, Mike Rutherford yep. lyrics. So his Land of Confusion Part 2. Well, I'd say if it's Land of Confusion Part 2, I think the lyrics are actually better. And again, if you go back to your, your opening lyric, if you take the tears from crying eyes, will the hurt just disappear? Yes. To just be honest, a really cool thing, you know, with playing around, you know, take the motion of a spinning wheel, you know, yeah. take the um, danger out of a naked flame. What have you got? Again, yep. awesome. Take the anger out of a broken heart. It's just so many cool, like, dynamics set up. It yeah. makes you question, it makes you question things, you know, and... And it's like how does this all work? And Mother Nature sits on the other side with a loaded gun, all these things, you know. So, mm-hmm. so for that's straight. For years, I kind of thought there was always a Tony lyric. Mm. Um, okay, there you go. Yeah, no. So it's it definitely it's definitely less uh, definitely less protest. It's just more about okay, you know, how does this really all work? You know, not going to go as far as saying what is the meaning yep. of life, but but yeah. he definitely is questioning like all these ways of the world that. You know, this little planet's just circling and all these things are happening inside of it. Yep. That we're all like... The, uh, being, the little graphic a is a, it's the world with blue and red on it and just and showing the swirling sky, kind of sky, pattern yeah. on it. Mm. Yeah. That's the thing. That's particularly, I thought that was a Tony Lyrics that said, oh, why is there blue sky? Where's the red sky? And it's like, okay, where's he going with oh, this? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> also, I think too, though, just, I mean, showing juxtapositions, but also showing, you know, people see things so differently. And yep. when you look in from the outside, you can see it one way or the other. And yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it, and it builds and, it, and musically, it just, it keeps, you feel yeah, like yeah. It's, it's building to something, you know, it's almost like there's like a, mm-hmm. a pressure boiling. And then suddenly, mm-hmm. just when you wonder, like, where's it going to go? Where's it going to go? Those, this amazing. Chorus, and to me, it's, it's one of my favorite moments in the album. Again, having that classic ooh, ooh, that that ooh, ooh is back again, yeah. just like we had on Never a Time. So that's right. That was the other song I was thinking of then. And it's just it's just the way of the world. That's how it's meant to be. There's right, there's wrong, there's weak, there's strong. 
Now, was this going to be performed live too? This, this was this remember. was rehearsed. There's audio was. footage of them mm. rehearsing it, and this was the one. This was the one that the story goes they dropped it That's because right, yeah. they couldn't figure out an ending. <laughs> so, even though they did do an ending, you know. However, I have to say though, listening to the listen to the live version, that the chorus kicks in. I can actually okay. I just figured out the ending. So you got the you come to the you finish singing the bits and you come towards the end. And then you come down to just the bit where it's the yep. the little bit on the guitar, softly of Mike and Tony doing their thing. And then you end it like you started with the... There, end it. Next song. Next song. <laughs> no, but one thing... I just need to invent a time machine now. Go there back, go. tell them, and then make him put it in the set go. And then we'll have to, to record this episode. To be honest, uh, when, I did, when <laughs> I did hear the order footage, we'll, we'll leave the link here as well, that uh, it's a mm-hmm. bit muffled, you know, it's bit tricky to hear with especially with phil's vocals but the chorus though he's the only one singing because what i love about the chorus is those yeah. harmonies but un- unfortunately i don't know whether for the rehearsal purposes that they hadn't planned it yet the backing vocals how they're going to sing it but mm-hmm. it's just phil singing you see and I, I was desperately missing it because it's it's very it's a lot of lyrics in the song and he's very he's well that might be something also that the other guys couldn't have done as yeah, good of a job that, of singing. Maybe that's another reason why on. they dropped it. And what you'd really need was the with this was the two guys from Last Domino tour, because they would have done a yeah, good job true, of it. True, true. But they do. I mean, to be honest, actually, I think with this particular tour, we can dance tour, I mean I think Tony and Mike were singing and plus Daryl were singing mm-hmm. way more than Darryl, any yeah. other tour prior to that. There's a lot of mm-hmm. full har- yeah. three part harmonies. Really not since what trick of the tail and you know, yeah. late 70s stuff well like if you think about it like I mean apart from the O.O.'s with Lana Confusion No Son of Mine the No Son of Mine Driving the Last Bite Can You Hear Me Can You See And the old medley stuff with the whole Lamnas down on Broadway, I know what I like. Very full, powerful vocals. Yep. And then Jesus, he knows me as well. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. it's like half the set list is just full backing vocals. So yeah. I, I, that's why I was kind of thinking, like you know, they I feel like they surely could have like done it with this one as well. But I don't know what how complex the stuff they had to have to play with their instruments. You know, maybe it was just wasn't working for them. You see, and so yeah, and we need to sit Tony down and just ask him. Yeah. There we go. We sit Tony down. We're going to get this whole book of questions for him, ready for it. The golden gem of questions. Maybe he'll put it in his in his book if he ever writes his autobiography. Yeah, where's his autobiography? Where's his, where's this going to come one. out? You know? I mean, the problem is probably it's because it's going to be a thousand pages and no one wants to print it. But I'd like to read it still if it's a thousand pages. <laughs> I will happily. I'll pay, I'll, I'll pay an mm. arm and leg for it, you know, to read it. Yeah. And then, of course, we crescendo into one of my favorite solos of Tony that he's ever done. Honestly, you know, and I oh and, gosh, yeah. and without fail, I I I BS you not, without fail, every time it gets to that solo, I just turn the volume up just a notch. You know? <laughs> a little bit more. Because I just love 
that moment and you just and it's one of my favorite solos of his ever because he is just going for it absolutely going for mm-hmm. it and and apart from living forever third solo album third solo on the album as well with tony it just it's so powerful third solo sorry second solo there you go so second solo mm-hmm. on the album third solo to come later on and it's just and, and again it it just shows you what an incredible musician he is how yeah. it's like okay we're now we're now segueing our way in back into the chorus again the chord is changing mm-hmm. here we've got a little mid chord between the solo and back into the chorus again so not only we're going to put in a little extra chord there but i'm also going to end in the end of my solo to reach that chord and fit in very beautifully to that chord yeah. i just think it just builds and builds and builds and just back into this incredible chorus which now phil is now putting a little bit of extra ad-libbing on top of it just to really mm-hmm. take it to that final next level which you did not think you'd get to you see without to save uh, unless you want to do a modulation which definitely would, would not work with this song um no. but somehow you still managed to reach this next level with this song and then the guitar like during the solo just wonderfully accompanies comes in and out and everything not taking over too much ever and just complimenting it perfectly i wanted to mention a thing i forgot to say in the with the solo in living forever because he uses two different keyboard sounds during the solo and just like i feel like any other keyboard player i've ever heard would just use one sound for the solo and that would be it yep. but he starts out with one sound and then decides to obviously has to switch to either another keyboard or flip a switch to change the sound it's like again to be that sort of musician to be like I'm going to change things up here and make it a different sound to it, and it's going to sound great. Yep. Totally. That's Tony for you. Genius. <laughs> Indeed. That should be the title of his book. I mean, Genius. he did it. Uh, he did it plenty of times in cinema show, too. So, I mean, it's you know he knows what he's doing. He and knows what he's doing. Oh, totally. He knows what he's doing. Totally. Yep. A great one. A great, great spot in the album as well. Um. And fun- again, quite funky as well. The whole thing is kind of like a shuffly, swingy. Oh, yeah. The bass line. Oh. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Indeed. I mean, it's hard, but you don't talk much about Mike's bass playing, but again, throughout this album, it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, he's mm-hmm. holding all the songs together. And yeah, my, my only critique, I suppose, I, my only critique, I, but again, I've not actually listened to like the remasters or anything like that, but I just feel like his bass just could have just been a touch. Just a notch louder in the mix. That's been a little mm. little biff with this album. So anyway, so after that, we make our way then over into the last, uh, I suppose you can call it a ballad on the album, but definitely a ballad. But also it was, according to the documentary, the last song they recorded for the album, uh-huh. in the making of it. A very beautiful track, very touching subject matter called Since I Lost Very sad. You. Yep. This is probably one of the heaviest things. One of the heaviest things I've ever written. Um, or had a part in writing.
So, maybe not a lot of people know about this, and I'm quite surprised actually with the little like inlay notes. For example, talking about like yeah. having the last spike, I'm very surprised、mm-hmm. this was not、uh, mentioned at the beginning. Because the the again, I know, especially just looking here with the with the layout and everything too. Like they could have easily like he has room here the way the lyrics are all laid out and everything. There's room here to put a little bit, a few sentences at the top、mm-hmm. to fit in because there's not as many lyrics in this song. No, yeah. So for those of you who wonder what the heck we're talking about,、um, this song "Since I Lost You," <laughs> Phil wrote the lyrics, and because I think during the making of this album, he got a call and found out that Eric Clapton's son Connor sadly died, and it was a tragic, very tragic accident that he basically just fell off a very high story balcony. So very,、yep. very horrible open, story. Open the window、tragic. and fell out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So and Phil, as you may have known, Phil's very very close to Eric Clapton, and he knew his son、mm. very well as well. You see, so and so these lyrics just came to him. They had, he said they had this piece, and he just wrote these lyrics on top of it. You see, so that is what、mm. song is about, unbeknownst to some people who probably would have assumed it's another song about a broken relationship, which in a way it is, of course it is, but、yep. everyone thinks about what、well, it's the typical man lost woman relationship, but. No,、yeah. it's very, it's very, very different for that matter. Hence, why probably would have been a good thing, knowing, especially with Phil, thinking like maybe I might put that there to make people know that、yeah. I'm not singing, I'm not singing my usual lyric here. So, I, but I think he does get dedicated. I think his name does get dedicated. He does, he does receive like a little dedication, right, Connor, in in the in the inlay notes, like towards the end, like the final like credits on the record. I'm pretty sure I saw it there. I don't know. Well, this is the remastered LP, so I'm not sure. Okay. I don't see anything on here. Okay. I thought. Let me that... check my my CD real quick. I thought. I, I thought.、Too. I thought maybe it was、uh, mentioned there, dedicated to Connor. I don't remember seeing anything. Okay. Like Connor C, I think it was called something like that or whatever. He's not. They're not. Not in the、uh, many thanks section or anything. No, don't see anything. Wow. Okay. All right then. Nope. Unfortunately, no. Wow. I swear I could. Nice thought, but no. I swear I could have sourced me like that again. Maybe if it was the last song they did again, maybe push for time or something. I don't know.、Mm, maybe yeah, but no. Well,、um, at least according to the documentary, that this was the last thing they recorded. So, and but yeah, it's a very moving song. It's in terms of like the the, the instrumentation wise and everything. It's yeah. I mean, not to disrespect at all what it's about, but you know, to me, in terms of how it's. Performed and played and everything.、Mm. If I'm going to use a word here, then it's definitely on the slightly weaker side for me in personal taste. That's all. But Phil, the piano is very nice in it. Again, beautiful、yeah. guitar bit, lovely solo in the middle of it by Mike and everything that matched the song and everything. But it's true, beautiful、yeah. solo from Mike and Phil is giving his absolute all in it. I mean, no yeah, doubt, definitely. I mean, this, he's obviously actually. I would feel he's just lost someone very close to him. So. Yeah, I would say where than all the other songs where they all complement each other, I would feel in this one, the the music and the the instruments they're playing almost feel a little lesser. Whereas Phil's lyric, you know,、yeah. singing is at a higher level. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's it's a bit more sparse the instrumentation on this one.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say the the,、uh, the little um, the little um, image thing they got on the、um, inlay details. It's just an empty landscape scene 
with no no people in it, which is just pretty powerful too. Ooh, wow, and I was going to say, as a listening to this too now, definitely as a parent and trying to imagine what that would have been like is yeah definitely a lot stronger than it would have been before. Yeah, uh, yeah I think I I think I kind of stopped myself from kind of going going there, you know, in a way. I know I don't uh, really do too much, but just like I, you know dancing around the idea of it or something like that too you never no, actually of course. going fully into it because it's just so horrific you would only want to yeah no no and how no, you can exactly. get past that yeah yeah i feel like there's not too much to be said really about this <laughs> because no it is a no song, especially with although the if you would i mean now we talk about how like a lot of these songs were almost played live like rehearsed live and everything mm-hmm. well actually there is technically even a live version of this trivia um, so again, going back to, uh, I think I mentioned this a lot on the last episode, um, Phil Collins appearing on VH1 Storytellers, that mm-hmm. he actually does describe this song as well, and probably because of what it's about. And so he described the whole thing about how it happened. We were doing an album, Genesis, we were doing an album, uh, We Can't Dance. And one night after rehearsal, I went home, and uh, a friend rang me up and said, have you heard about Eric? So I said, uh, no, what do you mean? He said, his son's dead. So I, uh, I couldn't believe it, because um, I obviously I knew, because I knew Eric very well, I knew Connor very well. And uh, Mike and Tony also knew Eric very well. And, um, and we'd been writing this song, but we didn't have any lyrics. It didn't have any direction at all, lyrically. And uh, we played this song, because you know, work went on. And um, the lyrics to this, the chorus to this anyway, came straight away and uh, when we finished the song I took it to Eric to, 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 uh, to play it to him because I wanted him to like it before I re- we released it you know if he didn't like it we wouldn't have released it and we, I sat there and you know we, I played it to him and he had tears in his eyes and, and um, then he played me a song and he said I've written one for Connor too and he said they want to release it as a single what do you think so um, he played it to me and uh, I said I don't think it's a single it's a beautiful song but I don't think it's a single and that was Tears in Heaven. So <laughs> what do I know, huh? But it is a very beautiful rendition he does. And it's just him and Brad Cole on the piano. Mm-hmm. And yeah, very... Right. Yeah, yeah. It's slightly... It's a lower key. It's, it is a lower key. But mm-hmm. I really do like it. And in fact, almost to an extent, I might actually prefer it than the studio version. Even though the studio version is wonderful, mm-hmm. it's got a great... You know, right. it's got these wonderful uh, harmonies in it as well. Very powerful. Yeah, so, kind of like um, uh, what is it? The the Peter Gabriel one. The um, is it in the flood? Here comes the flood. Oh, here comes the flood. Here comes the flood. True. You know, which very good example. Yeah. Very good example. Yeah, the yeah. the studio version on his number one on, number one album, <laughs> on his first album. His <laughs> <laughs> his number one album. How can you say that without not making it sound like it's a charting position? But his first album. I believe it was so. The was his number one album. <laughs> yeah. Here comes a flood. He, yeah, in the end, he just said it was way too over the top, and hence why he always mm-hmm. just plays it with just him and a piano. But same with this song, "Since I Lost You." If it, well, uh, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll have we'll, we'll leave a link here as well for just for you to check out, just to be surprised that there yeah. is a live version of this. And actually, um, thanks mm-hmm. to YouTube and all these people who love putting up little compilations, uh, someone did put up. I only just saw this like only just like about maybe three weeks ago. 
that someone put up like a little mm. Phil acoustic versions of songs and he does obviously acoustic versions oh, of okay. him and in the end tonight with this piano and maybe Daryl and then this version of Since I Lost You is also included in it and it's actually a really lovely collection of acoustic mm. versions of his songs both him and Genesis oh, cool. material we'll link that in there too yeah. yeah yeah. so yeah it's a wonderful rendition but yeah so it's it's a daring subject and obviously it's kind of a one where you you listen to and you're like oh you know you kind of have to kind of almost be drawn back into that world again you know i mean thankfully you know you yeah. say well at least the nightmare at least i'm you, i mean you it's a bit like with the whole bob lyric a uh, bob geldof lyric uh with the um, the band-aid single well tonight thank god it's them instead of mm. you it's kind of like well i'm listening to the song right. but you know to put it in this kind of kind of same context like well i'm at least i'm not eric clapton you know i'm not eric you know it's like yeah I can still listen to this, but just be like, okay, nice song, whatever, but not having to go, thankfully, go through. But definitely listening through. to it as a as a 10 or 12-year-old versus listening to it now or having had kids and stuff. Too, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you when I first heard about it. I mean, I felt like I want to say I felt about, I heard about the subject matter quite quickly after that. But I guess the mm-hmm. news was, yeah. the, new, the story was very fresh, obviously, in the news, you know, so we probably heard about it from our own parents or something like that at the time. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was very fresh at the time, so. But I guess it does set up, like, because it's kind of like, if anything's a lesser song on the album, it would be this one, yeah. which it's kind of a perfect placement for it then for the it's a it's a good finale. It's a good penultimate song for the, for the before, album. yeah, as you put it very nicely, the grand finale of the album. Which, yeah, we come now to the to the last last song of the album, very properly titled Fading Lights. Tony's second uh, song on the album to write the lyrics for. But the whole thing does feel completely Tony. You know, it's just, it's just Tony all over the song. Perfect. You know? So I have all my, my notes here. I just wrote one word. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, this is a, this is a killer song. It's just perfect Genesis. It's a perfect Genesis song. And this is the one too, that when a lot of the, the Peter lovers, you know, who, who disregard Phil, the, Peter and Phil lovers who disregard the mm. 80s and those ones who ignore the 90s ever happened, whatever, they all will admit, okay, Fading Lights, yeah, I yeah. like that one because that one's yeah. so good. But I love Tony's chords in this. I love his keyboard sound in this throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Um, yep. I can't, you can't really tell what Mike is doing, unfortunately, sadly, and unless you hear the live version. I have to say, I'm not really 100% sure what the guitar is doing exactly. Yeah, you can. Well, I think, no, I, what I've always interpreted as the, the first verse and the um, chorus, Mike's not doing anything. Okay. In my opinion. Yeah. And then as the second verse comes in, that's when he starts to do the little bit on the guitar, mm. which for the last Domino tour, when they played this part of it, um, he did it right at the beginning of the song. He was. I disagree. He was with... actually doing it on the twelve string as well because obviously from that tour they went straight in, they oh, went okay. straight into uh, cinema show, the mm. instrumental section of cinema show. 
I wonder if this was on the 12 string, maybe it was I really, don't know, perhaps, yeah. But anyway, uh, actually, no, it's not. No, it's not. Now do I think about it when I've seen it. Well, the Wicked Dawn story is just on, his, on the, the regular yeah. 6 string, yeah. And this is in the slightly lower, I think, I think slightly lower key as well. Uh, like a like semitone, semitone oh, lower, yeah. which means... Which, Again, really some really high notes he's hitting with the chords. Yeah, yeah, but like, so if it's a semitone lower, then that poor Tony, especially Tony, had to like transpose everything. All the solos, <laughs> half a step lower. But if anyone could, yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally yeah. But he probably, th- probably when the first film mentioned that, he's like, "God damn, Phil." Oh, honestly. Okay, fine. Give me, give me, <laughs> give hell, me, Phil. give Come me a on. few minutes here. I need some time, okay? Because now, because you can probably imagine in the rehearsal, no, that this Phil was like, tried it, okay. You know? No, this is where he says, "Okay, we have got to cut way of the world and leave him forever." Because if you want me to do this, I can't do that. Oh, true. Yeah. And again, but going back to the just very quickly, the opening lyric. Another time, it might have been so different. That does really actually paint a picture for you. It is, it's kind of like Queen's These Are The Days yeah. Of Our Lives. I was also thinking a bit as an ending track, because wasn't the show must go on? Wasn't that a final track on? It was final. Tr- yeah, um, it, it was the final track on the on Queen's technically last proper full band official album. Yeah. Uh, before mm. the passing of Freddie. Was that kind of magic? What? Oh, no, no, no. The album was Innuendo. Which Innuendo. also came out in the yeah. same year, 91. Which is actually my favorite. I think it's my favorite Queen Innuendo, song. Yeah, it's a very too. awesome song. So I, I kind of similar, similar yeah, to yeah. Freddie Now I'm kind of wondering like what Tony might have been thinking and, at the yeah. time when he wrote this. Um, I mean, it's, again, it's a very Tony lyric, kind of like wondering like, you know, all about the end. I've, and I mentioned in a, a previous episode, I think it's his best lyrics he's done. Just they're really like mm. powerful and explain a lot. I don't know, perhaps as you get older, really, you find yourself looking back sometimes uh, and, and thinking about things that can't be anymore. And, um, and you don't quite know what's going to happen in the future, so you don't know quite what is the final thing when you're actually experiencing the last time you ever do something you don't know that it is the last time you ever do it which is sort of interesting thought I thought and so I kind of wrote a song about that and um, sort of just generally looking back it's a nostalgic sort of song I mean it, you know it could be corny but I think I think I was quite pleased with some of the lines in it. yeah and at the time I wouldn't be surprised if someone read the lyrics and was listening to this and they're thinking to themselves like okay is Tony setting us up either for the, the ending of Fill with this band or the ending of this band altogether, you know, because like it really felt like, yeah. okay, what's going on here? What's going on? Or you just be like, okay, Tony, Tony, please tell well, us you're, from, just, you're uh, just singing a song about wandering. I mean, just the way it slowly builds and then mm. slowly with the you know, the drum drum machine pattern coming in and the chords, the singing, and then having Mike coming in the second verse, and you're just like, you think, I mean, you almost you might like. If I can't remember hearing it for the first time. I knew I loved it right away, but just hearing this, you might think, and you see all the you no, know, it's got a full like song list yeah. of lyrics, like oh, it looks like a full song yeah. and everything like that. You wouldn't think there's going to be this incredible no. solo coming, and so you just you're slowly you're like, oh, it's just a beautiful little song about the ending and life and all these different things, relationship and stuff, and then all of a sudden, oh my god! solos are a bit like sort of like stories and things like that you know when I'm doing something like the, the fading lights thing the reason I wrote the lyric and the way that I did in the end was because I thought the the idea of the solo being a sort of example of a kind of life you know ups downs and things going right and wrong and right is quite a nice way of doing it you know 
because like the Royal Wright sellers is they have a lot of variety in them. You know, they don't stay in one mood all the time, so you tend to get the different flavours coming in and out. explode into this section yes especially on the album version versus the live version because they had to do it all different live so that phil could get to his drum kit in time yeah and i think this was in a i can't remember which which interview but i think it was an interview with tony where he was saying the the solo bit is the the kind of fighting in the relationship and and bringing them to the end of the relationship because of the the turmoil they've been having oh okay oh interesting i never realized that before yeah Yeah. well there's one big fight one, yes. one fantastic fight. One big, long-lasting, eight-minute fight, whatever. So I mean, and it shows that this is the the perfect song in many ways because he Tony tried to do the same thing again on the Calling All Stations album with uh, "There Must Be Some Special Way." No, there must be another way. Must be another what way. Is, yeah. What is it? Yeah. There must be some other way. Oh, must That's be some other way. Sorry. Um, where he literally uses the same sounds on the freaking um, keyboard solo too, mm. and it just it just doesn't do it for me. I mean, I like its song. But I feel like there's something missing in it, and whereas Fading Lights, it's just perfection. Yeah, it's it has so many, and we we go to so many different sections in this song, and mm-hmm. I really get emotional listening to these to the solo, especially. Mm-hmm. I think it's the solo. I think it's the second solo where you have these almost like screaming notes, you know. And I hear that, and I and again, uh, it's, the, it's that wait, when he starts the second solo, and it's just like the first, yeah, two notes that just they last yeah. like ten yeah. seconds each, practically. Yeah, that and gives me goose pimples every yeah. time. And just like I've got them right now, just thinking yeah. of it. And just like where the world, that moment for me. I mean, naturally, I do turn yeah. it up when the solo begins, but that moment right there, <laughs> I turn up just a little bit more. And because... the fact that they managed to cre- recreate it so well live too, yeah. just it's the same yeah. impact. And. And wonderfully, and, he, and then the, the way it's got this beautiful, yeah, the his solo and everything, and then it could easily finish there if it wanted. But Mike has a nice, wonderful accompanying mm. guitar solo at the end there. And again, the song could have just faded out there, but no, they decided no, to they went bring back it into back. That again. And, but I like that the mm-hmm. again Tony he uses going back to the Lamb era, he uses the little crossover hands section as well in the song. Right, yes, yes. So I remember everyone are, talking about that. Like, oh, it's a callback to that. They really yeah. are just pulling everything out again for this one last track. It was, uh, I think the last time that was um, me and Sarah Jane. Uh, no, reply at, no reply, well, no, no reply. No reply at all, yeah, I think right. it was. So yeah. we're, going, we're going back like yeah. almost 10 years. Oh, no, it is 10 years, 81. It's the same. Uh-huh. same right. 10, 10 years, years again. again. There 10 you go. years again. I think they know what <laughs> they're doing here. They're like, 10 years, we're going to do these things. Yeah. We're bringing these old standards out. But, I mean, yeah, I have no... And this is one of the things where if if I'm gonna hear that solo, out of the blue from a car, you know, in some way, if it was possible, a car radio, if someone happened to be listening to a car radio, whatever, mm-hmm. or somehow it just comes out of nowhere, I'll be like, I'm gonna to listen to this quickly. Just give me about give me about give me about six minutes here. I need to listen to this very quickly. You know, I never get tired of it. Yeah. Never ever ever get tired. Everyone of it. needs to shut up. So yeah, I yeah, can yeah, focus yeah, on yeah. This. It's like, listen, I gotta tell you something. I'm pregnant. I'm t- solo. It's fading light solo. Okay, I don't care if you're pregnant. What's going on? It's like, I'm going to listen to this quickly. Don't be I'll later. later, okay? Um, After this. I meant we hear the gong. <laughs> we 
really so punchy and and when that comes in as well i think that's probably another moment where the volume button goes up even more <laughs> for me i think i'm on i think i'm i think i have reached i have i think i have turned the speakers up to 11 everything goes At to 11 point, it's like by not even yeah. halfway through the solo i'm i'm yeah. on 11 so there's the gong at the beginning and then there's the gong at the end too with um, or at least once with uh, yeah it's basically right when the too. solo comes in uh, sorry mike solo comes in there the gong almost just takes it to this next level it, as if to say genesis is like okay you know what if this is the end let's let's go out with one last bang and it's kind of like okay now we're because i it also gets to me that point as well because i'm like well, that's it. We have now heard the last of Tony's solos, at least in the Phil era. And we know now that after <laughs> yeah. Mike's this little solo here, which definitely is not as long, but we know we're now kind of reaching the end. This kind of like we're reaching the coda, the last section of the solo section here. Mm. I'm going to go back into reverse again. Right. And it's all coming down, which means as well, very, very um, special moment to me as well, that when you kind of, because Phil's drums kind of fade out, and when he just goes, when he starts to sing the lyric, yeah. another chance, hello, another, on that another part, you just hear the sound of Phil's cymbal. And that moment is very sensitive for me because, me personally as well, especially because that then, that's literally the last time you hear Phil's drums on a Genesis record. Cool. You see? That's, so you hear that cymbal yeah. drift off. And that's like, that's it. Phil's drums are done in this band. That's, that's the yeah. end. You got the drum machine. That's, that's, like, that's the end of Phil's drums. Where where it all that's where it all yeah, started for him. him. Drums, yeah. back right from the musical musical box, you know, and from and oh my god, twenty years exactly, seventy one. There you go. Um, kicking off with some, kicking I off what with they were doing. thing like with musical box where very subtly just brings in little bits of yeah. drums here, bits of drums there, and then you yeah. get that killer heavy metal <laughs> solo. But yeah. It's and it's, wonderful, and it's wonderful with the live version into that um, they set up so nicely for Phil to get to his drums, and then it's like, then you've got the three of them again. Yeah. Oh, it's just yeah, so. And you've got and the you're three like, of them again. Sorry, and then you're like, sorry, Daryl, sorry, to, uh, Chester, you need to sit this one out. And I think that's out. brilliant. The, I think that's, the maestros I, are yeah, going to go and jam together. Have the core members yeah. uh, appear there for one song, the three of them, and then playing as a three piece, um, and you think to yourself, well. Last time they did something like that, apart yep. from maybe a little bit on, well, it, even though it wasn't different, wasn't the same members, but like Brazilian, for example, it's it's mostly just Daryl, Phil, and Tony. Oh, okay. With, right. uh, but the last time you really got to see that was them performing live with Cinema Show, and it was just the three of them. My de- my uh, when we we saw them um, when I got to see them live for um, Turn It On Again tour mm-hmm. and I won front row seats which was just a dream come true through the website yes. for them and got to see them with my wife in the front row. She's not a huge Genesis fan. She's had to enjoy Phil and accept Phil over the decades because of my obsession, <laughs> which she doesn't mind. But even she was able to pick up on that. You know, she knows some of the songs and all this stuff. But the moment she could tell when they were really like doing something special was when they were like jamming together with mm. doing solos and stuff like mm-hmm. cinema show and things like that you yeah know? yeah just yeah. there was a special magic happening um to- we could talk more about this probably if we do an episode on the last domino tour but 
I really disagree with how they just did the singing part of Fading Lights and didn't use the solo. I think I did hear they were trying to use the solo and then they cut it out, but I think it was a mistake. And I really hate the transition into Cinema Show. It is a very bizarre transition, <laughs> and especially because they go into... Even though it was great to hear Cinema Show again, but mm-hmm. I saw them on the Turn It On Again tour, and they did it there too. And yep. the fact being that they would repeat a previous, technically a previous song from the last tour, and yeah, and cut out the whole instrumental section of Fading Lights. It's, uh, yeah, I agree with you there. It's, okay, it's, but we'll, we'll leave that for you like for the like last this. domino yeah, debate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, but um, as it says, we have reached the end of the album, the last album for Phil, the last song, last track on the record. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a perfect ending for an album. Of course, you you can't stop the song. The song has to fade out. The song "Fading Lights" does yep. have to no, fade right. out. Yep. Because it's, mm-hmm. it's again, in the title. <laughs> yeah, isn't the uh, the picture on the on the record um, a night sky and someone kind of partially it's actually um so it's it's more more similar the same yeah it's a hill again similar hill to what they've had yep we should actually uh, i was curious to know who the artist is and stuff and how they did this they mm. must have done a whole series of things but it's um it's kind of it looks like it's definitely it's sunset um because there's no sun and it's like pink and purple and blue skies oh, and right. it's the hill and then it's a um it's a man and a woman it looks like the man is not wearing the hat but they're basically going down the hill on the other side yeah showing yeah yeah going away and an end going away that's right i remember that now yeah wandering off yeah i mean from phil's not dead yet book i mean it seemed like it wasn't really toward till towards the end of the halfway through the tour as he was cheating again on his current <laughs> wife of just uh you know the, then he was starting to realize that he was wanted to leave the band and all this stuff and that mm. that was kind of the end but I've it's, it's taken me a long time to accept that that was the end and feeling sad and all that stuff. But this is the perfect song to end Genesis on, in my opinion. Yeah, at least the the Phil Genesis. At least the Phil, the Phil Genesis. Oh yeah, it's, it's an absolute perfect saying, especially the last line being "Remember," because um, that's that's yep. what that's what we keep doing. This is why, and not just not just remember, but the way he pulls it out. So it's yep. just like this stretching. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, and that's what we Beautiful. keep doing. All of us, all fans, thirty years later, we still reminisce we still remember we, we're mm. we're it's like phil that's exactly what we're doing we are well, technically we should yep. say it to tony because he wrote it but and yeah and that's exactly what you can feel like with this band that's doing they are they are going off you know into some genesis universe somewhere where they'll just keep on playing you know in a in a forever timeless loop one could wish so i'm just gonna check real quick that the weird picture they had Oh, um, on the album, weird little like photos. The album, photos. yeah, it's yeah, basically the of three the of the three of um the album photos of the band, yeah, which which looks like they're either at it's at the it's actually the aftermath of a party, or it looks like it, yeah, or or they're the ones at a party but they can't dance, so they're just gonna sit this one out, you know. So that's true, yeah. I mean, maybe that's because there's there's two images. One where they're just looking very despondent, Grim. yeah, <laughs> unhappy. Phil's wearing a party hat. That's right. um, and then there's another one where Mike's wearing the party hat and they're all wearing strange nerdy glasses. I was going to say, there's, isn't there a picture where at least one of them is wearing it, but all three of them are wearing it. Brilliant. Cool. Oh. show you real quick. Yep. That's the one, yeah. See it. 
Um, I guess we I, we touched a little bit on this, but just the name for the album, We Can't Dance, mm-hmm. a play from I Can't Dance, but we've talked a bit about how, well, there's the father and son on the cover. Um, it's possibly stories and lessons being shared between a father and son or a parent and a child um, on different subject matters and things of of lessons for life. Yeah. Um, the way I also kind of took it too is, um, and I think it is over decades of just thinking about it too, of we can't dance as in, you can't just pretend everything is fine in the world anymore and say, mm-hmm. we're all groovy, everything's good. Let's just be happy. You know, don't worry, be happy. Basically saying, we can't dance around it. You have to accept that there are lots of people always suffering in the world for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And you need to acknowledge that. And if you can help in some way, do it. But yeah. You need to acknowledge it as opposed to just putting a blind eye on it. That's right. As a lot of the CEOs of Twitter and Amazon and various other ones who, you know, they give to charity, but overall they could be doing much more and they choose not to. Yeah. Um, yep. That you need to, you know, it's it's a statement on that, I feel, which Phil is carrying over from But Seriously mm-hmm. with obviously mm-hmm. the name of that mm-hmm. album and all that stuff too, you know. Um, but it's not even so much I feel, uh, oh, is this Phil just putting his stamp on this album and stuff too? It's, you know, if you're a human living in this world and you have any decency in you, you can't ignore this, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, this resonates just as strongly. 2023 with all the various things going on in the world, climate change and all this other stuff. Just, yep. yep. And living in California right now, too, and just the way the rest of the country is going against LGBTQ and transgender people and all this stuff, and it's just really hard. And just we do what we can, but it's just hard to accept that there's still people that... Yep. feel other people don't have a right to exist yeah it's it's crazy it's really crazy but that's what i've that's what i've taken from uh the name for the album we can't dance and that's yeah what's meant to me yeah over the years. no i, I totally get that to... like i said which which i also mentioned to you that even even back in the day when we first had this album you said like oh, i can see why it's called we can't dance you know it's like no sort of mine and then tv evangelists you know english railways uh hit and run famine so yeah it's it's it made total sense in a way. In a way, you can almost call it a concept album because the whole thing evolves around. Mm, yeah, around, true, true. You know, at the whole prog, prog, prog to, to the, the end. end. And as right? you say, you know, as you say, it could be a dad just because it's interesting how the pictures are quite similar, like a father mm. and a son, and yep. there they are. And the father was just kind of like explaining to the son like all these things in the world, you know. So yeah, it could very well be. And know? I will I'll say, be- not that I love everything about tabletop genesis the podcast fantastic mm-hmm. but they were kind of negative a bit on this album because they were more invisible touch kids who discovered genesis during that time but they were kind of negative on the unusual logo the new logo for genesis the name on this one right and again it could be because this is where it started for us but i absolutely love it i love it i absolutely cool love little it too. font yeah yeah i actually have literally have genesis in that logo i have the bumper sticker on the back of my car because I love yeah it so much. and i'm thrilled i still have my genesis t-shirts from the turning on again tour and i'm so thrilled that it that it's the same font that they was use used it. for that i tour. mean obviously the band likes it too yeah because they keep reusing it don't they yeah yeah they do they really do and i also thought it was very cool because it was um i think volkswagen was a sponsor for yep. the we can't dance tour yeah and i do remember they made a volkswagen genesis that looked like just any old volkswagen but it said Genesis on the side, so of course uh, I wanted one, even though I was true. 12 at oh, the time. Drag, I, d- I didn't have it here, but actually, I think we do have somewhere in our possession here that little toy car, that little toy Volkswagen car here with the Genesis logo on it. Oh, as you well. had it? Where'd you we get do, that? I, th- I have no idea, but I think we still have it somewhere around here. Well, it know. makes sense being a German car maker, you might have it, but yeah. Where, I where we, that... yeah. 
car is exists anywhere else is anyone else i hope i like to think the few models that were you know a few copies of that car that were purchased um i like to think that they're genesis fans if there's anyone by chance who happens to own that exact car that we're talking about please send pictures of yourself in it (laughs) we'll happily happily blast you all over the website so yes send that in if you're listening me and virgil pod at gmail.com we guarantee you will get you you will get the spotlight so (laughs) so shall we move on to uh what do you want to do next yeah you pick your well 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 as we're still on the songs then let's uh just touch on the 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 b-sides of these songs um i was kind of wondering if we should have talked about that the previous episode because these b-sides belonged to the singles from the album which came from the first uh side so first one then um well um i no particular order but we'll talk on about uh, the first b-side which was for the b-side for i can't dance which is i think that was actually the first single um on the shoreline argued as well that this song should definitely have been on the album because of how killer it is some say yes some say no i say yep i say yes 110 percent. i think maybe the one reason that it maybe is out of place with the rest of the album is because it is a little bit too fantasy like in terms of the lyrical Mm. content actually i wanted to double check who wrote it i would not be surprised if it was tony um, I'm pretty sure it's a Tony one. I can't see it on my list here, but I'm pretty sure it's a Tony. Oh, it does not state on wiki. It does and not it, state. Well, my thing doesn't say, but yeah. I'm, it just I'm says pretty sure it's Tony. Comes from. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, a very strong, powerful piece. It, goes up, it does have a bit of like uh, feeding the fire vibe to it from the Invisible Touch mm-hmm. totally. as yes. well. I still, even yep. to this day, though, as a musician, I still... Um, I only did it once that I managed to get, mm-hmm. I managed to come in correctly on beat one on that track. <laughs> otherwise, I keep... Oh, with the, me- with the drum bit? Yes. Otherwise, I keep messing up where the actual beat one Unless is. Unless you're watching a, drum a timer, starts. you won't know. Because it does have this kind of like chunky, chunky thing. And you the just kind of think like, oh, is the one there? Is the one there? Is the one there? And then Phil's drum start. You think mm. like, oh, is the one there? But then it's like, oh. But then once the cymbals comes in with the chords and everything, it's like, oh, yeah. okay. Nope, I missed that. And like I said, it's I've only nailed it once. And that was probably about a year ago. I've not nailed it before that or since then. So, um, but I just going to get older. But I think just like, yeah, the first line is like, well, there's a place where worlds collide. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the rest of the lyrics here, though. On the shoreline. I, I just think, I just think though, you're, you're kind of thinking more like 
over the you know thinking of like somewhere at a rainbow and all these kind of things i i, I mean i i guess it's just meaning about where the shore meets, See, to me, meets the, the yeah, shore meets it, the seaside um, you know yeah. the shore meets the beach right. the front line you know so so and, to me i've heard it many times and it's i feel it's more metaphorical mm-hmm. and to me it's about mm-hmm. um being too nervous to take any risks in life to just sit back and mm-hmm. let things happen and you know play everything easy and that if you actually want to beat that special person try and get that promotion achieve that goal that you haven't really cared, you say you don't care about but you actually do you have to leave that shoreline and move wow very that's poignant. how i've always interpreted it very yeah. poignant okay makes sense makes sense i love that they use the um the elephant sound of no son of mine in it that's why i, I feel it should have been a album because it's such a beautiful like know. you know yin yang other half to it and stuff adds in a feel to the proggy feel of it you know and stuff too um i actually have on here um i made up a what i call a we can't dance deluxe edition oh. where i've included that on the um i redid the track list and included that on there and that's my opener ah cool so yeah a, a great okay. a great track i guess just maybe it was a little bit too out there in terms of the lyrics probably why it, it isn't on mm. the album so but otherwise it's a i still wish it was it's a very, was, it's, a very yeah. it's very powerful powerful song and from my geeky side of things actually i tend to include this on the album when i play it through and i just basically include it exactly where it sits uh for the single of i can't dance it sits right after i can't dance and i think it's a perfect spot for it so mm. you know, i can't dance on the shoreline mm. and then never a time so and I do it, oh, and cool. I do exactly yeah. the same for the next B side, which is Hearts on Fire. It's got that very <laughs> rocky title, isn't it? Which actually, yeah. I was listening to this. I actually was playing this song to a, a bass player friend of mine, and he was like, "Oh, it's kind of mm. cool." And he's like, "He said, hey, wasn't there a song called Hearts on Fire' from a Rocky film?" And, I, and we we both we both <laughs> start, right. we both yes. started to go like, "Hearts on is Fire." It, uh, is it Survivor, Survivor, or I'm trying to think of Florida? I have no idea. Journey, I have no idea. But to be honest, we both we yeah. both we both like, hey, this song kind of reminds us a lot of that, and we're like, maybe that's why they wrote it. Maybe mm. that's why they did it. You know. So again, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a Phil lyric. It just, I don't know why. It just yeah. Says that yeah, I it. agree. I think so too. Very um, very thumping. Tony, very thumping. if you're listening, Tony, cover your ears real quick. I don't like Tony's keyboard playing. I don't like the sound. It sounds dun, dun, too dun, cheesy. Dun, warning. Dun, 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 I, that's dun, why dun. I don't. Yeah, and then the dun, 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 dun. it's too bad. It's that's why that's why I was like, okay, this is definitely a B side for me. However, 
Yeah. I do remember hearing it on. Yeah, I do like the Picasso bit of Phil doing that. That's fun. Mm. But I do remember hearing it a bit of it on the um, No Admittance uh, documentary. True, it is on there. And I was like, when I was hearing it, and that was before I could get singles and even do Zigzag. Mm. I was like, this, this is unheard Genesis bit of a Genesis song. What is this? I wanted it. I wanted it. It took yeah. a number of years before I could track it down and actually hear it and be like. And again, I, in my geeky way, I place it on the album after Jesus Knows Me because it was the single, it was the B side to Jesus Knows Me, and I think it fits quite nicely between that mm. and Driving the Last Spike. You see, so that's just just to throw that in yeah. there too. If you fancy the same thing, so yeah, but a nice track. But yeah, I can you can hear why. I mean, it does sound a little bit incomplete. There's no, there's some little bits of light drums on it, yeah. but there's no full heavy drums. So. It sounds a little bit like that. So yeah, that is that is. Um... Technically, there's one more B-side that I wrote down on here. Oh, the I can't dance sex mix. Oh god. But that's all I want to say about it. Just that, isn't that the isn't that the piece that you hear though at the beginning of the the way we walk? Technically, it is. It is, Which it sounds cool. It does, it does sound cool. cool. But then the song remember... continues on for eight minutes and it's just, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is on the Archives 3, isn't it? Or Archives 2, right? I think so. Thing. Archives 2, Disc 3, God, is yes. it really? Is it really how... eight, is it really eight minutes? Time. I don't know. It feels like it goes on for way too long. And shit, yeah. It's definitely okay. longer than the re- studio version, yeah. Wow. All right, but then. those are the B-sides, yeah. Okay, so, well... As much as we probably would love to talk about the Icon Dance sex mix, uh, let's move on to maybe something for at least another yeah. hour or so. <laughs> let's hopefully let's move on to something now, hopefully a little bit sexier. So, all right, so the the drum bit. Welcome back to the drum bit, people. Uh, so I I only just thought this up today actually because re- mm-hmm. reminding myself that it had to be a two-parter episode. So 
And what I thought of, like, it's a bit of a... Yeah, we need to drum bit it at the end of each episode, yes, right? So, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Got work Fortunately, it's what you do, so you're able to come up yes. with stuff. Um, so, okay, it's a little bit of a drum lesson. Um, also, a little mm. bit of drum trivia as well to do with Phil in particular. Ooh. So, we're going to look at the song Jesus, He Knows Me for this particular mm. one. And now, just a little brief um, lesson, as I was saying here. So... If you can think of like your typical drum groove, just think of your typical pop groove. And this is basically pushed along by what's known as common, a common, a drum common groove, right? And so let's, you take mm -hmm. a song, for example, like uh, Billie Jean, Michael Jackson, right? That drum right. groove there, that is your typical drum groove. Or yeah. another one by the dust, right. by I Queen. And drum, yeah. yeah, I right. mean, I was trying, mm. obviously I was trying to think of like Genesis songs as well, so I thought, okay, well, throwing right. all the way when those drums kicking in there. There's also it's, it's your common groove there as well, you see. So, and if you were to break it down, like um, say in beats like one, two, three, four, then with the drums you got mm -hmm. the bass drum, which is like your heartbeat, and the next sound that you're gonna get, you're gonna hear that people are gonna recognize to get them on the dance floor is your snare drum, right? It's yep. your your backbeat there, right? And that normally takes place on beat number two. And then you go back to the bass mm -hmm. drum for beat number three, and then snare drum for beat number four. So one, two, three. A song four. that comes to mind immediately is um, uh, "Don't Lose My Number." A lot of Phil stuff has that regular drum mm -hmm. beat. Yeah, I mean it's a bit more complex of the the bass drums doing there, but yeah, it's a bit like that. So yeah, <laughs> yes. but yeah, so he couldn't make it so easy. So one, two, yeah. three, four. Bass drum, snare drum, bass drum, snare drum, bass, snare, bass, snare. One, mm -hmm. two, three, four. Jesus, he knows right. me though. Not sure, I'm guessing because Tony had the keyboard marks that piece first with this whole da 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 that Phil then got into his head to like, because the first of all, like, it's very fast tune and it's almost like what you call like a double time marching thing. It's basically like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. It's super fast, the song. Quite a challenging one yeah. to play, and more challenging so because Phil is not putting his bass drum on the typical placements on the beats one and oh. beats three. So he's mm -hmm. actually putting it. Um, so if you were to break, if you would like jump into the space between the numbers, what's actually called subdivisions, we're going very technical here, you would actually get the ands. So the one and two and three and four. But you can also go even deeper into that. And you can go even between the numbers one, between one and the and, and the two and in the end, and the three and the end, and the four and the end as well. You do half numbers, or you just have well, you well, it? yeah. Basically, we 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 describe it by uh, using fractions. In fact, so with your numbers, uh -huh. with your numbers, those are your quarter notes, and then when you're gonna right. when you start start to add the ands in, those will be your eighth notes. So again, bit like right. bit like cutting a piece of cake. Now we're gonna cut the cake even more yep. in half now. And 16th, 16th exactly that 16th notes <laughs> to actually describe what those 16th notes are, it's actually described as the letters E and R. So one E and R, two E, or not R, sorry, R. It's the easiest letter to say in the alphabet, so you can just like a uh, so it's like right. one E, uh, one E and so a two E and a three E and a four E and a okay, so and that those will be your eighth notes. 
is what Phil decided where he was going to put the bass drums in the song Jesus He Knows Me. So, and to Can you uh can you mime it real quick or describe it kind of as Well, yeah, well basically if you were then to start say so you got the 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and and that's what Phil's doing. He's putting those bass drums in every single one of those letters. So it's like da 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 one a two a four a two a four upper 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 so that's so there's like three times as much bass drum than there should be. Yeah, he's basically putting those bass drums, but all right between before each of those snares. Buta, 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 buta. It sounds like it's a, a lot of work on your foot. It is a lot of work, you know. Your ankle. It's a lot of, and your ankle and your calf. It is a lot of work <laughs> to do and very challenging. But then, you know, Phil, he can play. I mean, I know that obviously eventually to a certain point, you know, he, he was still playing quite a lot at this point, you know, still playing quite a lot, but probably mm-hmm. still not as much because obviously he's doing solo stuff and singing a lot and everything. So he's definitely not a full-time yeah. drummer anymore at this point, um, but he still can definitely play. So so there you go. So that is your non-typical common groove being played with this Jesus He Knows Me. But it, the drumming part fits beautifully because, like, it's, it's again, you got a bit of a reggae feel going here. Now, this is definitely not a reggae beat. Yeah. I'm not saying that. But um, mm-hmm. he's still incorporating in this very tough subdivisional thing here. So so there you go. That's what he's doing. Does that happen? Um, does that happen very often? Like, do, do the police do that a lot? Or just, you know? Yeah, to- totally, totally. Style. Like, you, you, yeah. you basically, like, you be you just want to tell yourself like you know what i don't want to play very typically on this song i want to be different <laughs> you see and again though you could all you could all you can make that executive decision by simply hearing what everyone else is doing as well you could also be the first person to say you know what i'm playing this song differently everyone else now right around what i'm playing Otherwise, I mean, maybe it was also person. phil just coming off the coming off his solo stuff that's a lot more straightforward with that beat and now he's back in the studio and he was like oh, i'm gonna i'm back at the kit i want to do weird stuff Crazy True. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even now was the... this um, reproduced correctly live? Did Chester play it that way too? Chester did. Chester did a great job of it live. Now, if I'm going to be analytical here and technical here, Chester does appear to be a lot more confident and experienced with the way he plays it. But again, Chester Thompson at this point, he is still a very, very full-time drummer here. Okay, He just simply has had more experience in practice time mm-hmm. to do this, you see. So so he is throwing a little bit of extra things right. into it yeah. as well. But Maybe he is still incorporating that very offbeat mm-hmm. bass drum pattern here so the fact is yeah because you've got chester who's just doing drums all the yeah, time that's what he does all the time whereas all phil the time. does so many things it's just and there is yeah. there is a little bit of footage of phil playing it actually in the making of documentary and you can see like uh-huh. he's he he's playing Clean. these parts and when he's doing these little fills you see his face kind of like he's he's like he's what's the word he's like he's grinding he's almost Tensed like he's grinding up, his teeth grinding, he's grinding yeah, his yeah. teeth you know he's like Ugh. he's working at I'm it sure it's hard work it. it's not easy basically it's not natural and fluid yeah no so you know even the pros like they will find their struggles with it and everything so 
And now we come to the trivia part of this story. Oh, that's okay. The sec the section here that it's no it's well not not no no surprise. Of course, I want to say that. But um, so according to the chapter and verse Genesis mm -hmm. book that came out around about the same time as the Turn It On Again tour. So on this album, they've just hired Nick Davis. Genesis yeah. co-producer and engineer on We Can't Dance, Nick Davis. We haven't actually got an engineer, but next time we'll be answering the phone for the <laughs> So he's their new producer engineer mm -hmm. after the immense, amazing work that Hugh Padgham had provided with Genesis. <laughs> story is that Nick Davis was they were doing Jesus He Knows Me and the band had left and Nick Davis was you know finishing off a mix with for the song don't know if it was a final mix or whatever but he notices something in one of the drum fills that Phil does and the next day when they come back in Nick Davis new hired person by the way the newest member in this very enclosed space they have been private about the creation of their work very private up until now they have kept everyone else out you know this is genesis recording new material everyone these, these rock gods have been doing this for 30 years <laughs> yeah he goes and tells one of the most recognizable drummers on the planet one of the most recognizable pop stars on the planet mm. saying phil that drum fill you did over there yeah well there's more noises it's a bit dodgy <laughs> I mean, is there, his, is there a video of this? Or no, what? sadly not. It's just basically in yeah. his section when he's talking about his time with Genesis. You see, in, it's in the book. In the chapter it? okay. It's in the book. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. the the, the I love to know what the testicular his particular testicular region was like at the time when he went to approach Phil at this point. That would be the highlight of the book. <laughs> Whether I mean, I'm it sure was he was huge nervous, or shriveled up, but but also that's why he's there. Otherwise, well, that's exactly they it. would just do this themselves. Yep. Yeah. You don't he, do it unless he, you have that, he, like, that outside, outside Exactly. He outside mixed voice. the album. He was mixing the album and he was producing the album. So he has ears there. And yep. that's what he's... I mean, he's not just... I mean, obviously, he's not there to... He's not there to look out for mistakes, but he is, look up, he is there to look out for the sound. And to him, right. he heard this, right? And now he quoted Phil, apparently saying to him, oh, it's going to be like that, is it? <laughs> I don't know whether Phil <laughs> meant that in a joking kind of way. Or, I'm sure he meant it as a joke. You know, or Unless he was in a bad Phil, mood. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Otherwise, maybe the day before that, we could have had the whole Never a Time thing where Phil was struggling to sing Never a Time. Mm. When next day in the studio, Phil's coming yeah, back in like, I hope, yeah, I, do a, I hope I do a better effing job today. First thing that happens, your producer comes to you and saying, listen, that Phil was dodgy. It's like, oh, for God's like, sakes. This so is I've already struggled with my singing and now you're telling me my drumming's best. Yeah. It's like, oh, so you're going to tell us Why now, am I we, bloody here then? We can't play, we can't play <laughs> now, can we? So we've got this now. Do you want to come and have a listen to what we got and so see, what, see what you think of the yeah. singing here? So anyway, they sat down, listened to the track, 
and Phil said, "Yeah, you're right. It is dodgy. Good catch." Well, and yeah, that's why he's there. They moved. I mean, they're very this is nice Nick Davis, who's there. who's done everything since, hasn't he? He's done everything since. He's, he, 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 did, he worked on the Calling All Stations album, and he's been in charge of all the reissues and remasterings and everything. Yep. So, right. yeah, so... ever since. So it, it's, you know, he's entitled <laughs> to his very professional, subjective uh, you know, opinion about this. That, well, that is what, yeah. That's what well, he's out there of, for. Out of our, our uh, four drum bits that we've had so far, this has been the most fascinating because I had no clue about this, and then your trivia bit was fantastic. Mm, cool. No, I'm glad to glad to share it, and yeah. hope uh, hope everyone was in, in, incited by that as it was. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine that it must have been very nerve wracking to be oh, in his shoes. Oh, you mean with, the, have, with what he said? Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine the nerve, the the, the to be in that guy's shoes and the to have ball, to go and tell. As they say, yes, you've got to be. I'm to, sure he was probably sweating a bit. Yeah. To go and have to tell him, and then I, I hope he did it first Tony, thing and got it off his chest right away. You know, I hope so. I hope so. And uh, you know, well, Tony and Mike might have thought as well and be like, "Oh God, okay, we got this kind of guy in now." You know, but <laughs> I don't know. Surely that must have happened with Hugh Padgham as well at some point. You know, I mean, I don't know. So, well, I feel, but I mean, that's what makes an engineer keep having a job and keep getting better and and keep being wanted. Is you don't want the guy who just says, "Yeah, I think you guys are going to make is perfect." No, just, no, no. You know, that's not the point. Yeah. Point no, no, no. Different. I mean, you that's know, also and... why that's why Phil brought in as a producer in so many things. Just like yep. all the times the artists yep. were good, but they wanted to do Phil was a perfectionist in so many things and they knew they wanted his ear on things. Totally. And I've been there too. I've worked with many producers and, you know, even whether it was doing a take mm-hmm. or after a take, that they, they'll, they'll, they'll go to me and be like, that thing you did over there on that part. And I'll be like, mm. either be like, Really? Or I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, I think I think can we do that again? You know, thankfully in this day and age we yeah. can just do it again. You know, so oh, we right. can just we can fix. I mean, it actually, you see so. that also even on uh, all the um, Peter Gabriel stuff where there's his new album IO and all the new stuff and mm-hmm. just how he talks about his massive crew he has around him, not just the musicians but all the computer people and engineers and various people that he has around him. I mean, you'd think a guy at this at the end of his career that he's like, I know it all. I don't need all these people to help me. But he's he knows that's what makes good music is having all these different voices and yep. influences and yep. and viewpoints yep. to make you perfect, totally. make you better. Totally. So there you have it. Well, I believe we've covered everything we needed to about this phenomenal we've, album. We've danced. We've danced the last dance, and we can dance, and we're all danced out now. Yeah, actually, one last thing I like, if I can add to this as well, to oh! kind of to kind of echo the kind I guess of whole, not the whole subject matter with the whole weekend dance thing. I mean, sadly, mm-hmm. the the time that it actually was released was unfortunately the same month that Freddie Mercury actually died as well. Oh, that's right. Yes. So, a bit of a depressing time that year. So, maybe that might have also had something to do with the fact that it didn't do as well as Invisible Touch. But again, you know, you look at the two albums, it's one very light in terms of color and flavor and things like that. And yeah. one is a bit darker as well. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's always it did good. very well, though. And I saw it did very well in Germany. I was looking up recently on the wiki thing and just, yeah, multi-platinum. They, and something. Yeah. they did a complete stadium tour. So with this album, so yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they did very well with the album, did very, very well, yeah. you know, so it's 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 fine it's fine yeah, put, so, yeah. put the food on the table a bit and more yeah yeah and the fact being that phil's just jumped off a massive world tour to jump straight into this and then mm-hmm. straight after this he jumped on just straight back into the studio made a new album and then toured that for the next two to yeah. three years 
yeah. mean, the fact that, yeah, Phil coming off of that and then, you know, you'd think coming into back into Genesis and being like, I'm so drained and whatever, what, what mm. creativity do I have left or whatever. Mm. But obviously there's something magical and a different dynamic that happens with with these guys when the three of them get. I mean, I remember Phil saying, um, I can't remember which interview it was, of just saying, it would be nice sometimes to just write some music and do some music together. This was back when he was drumming. Um, but just not to call it Genesis. You don't have to call it this big Genesis thing and it has mm. to be a Genesis album and all that stuff. Yeah. And just like them, just the three of them getting together because he knew that's when he was kind of happiest, I think, was just the three of them yeah. hanging out. I mean, that's why they're all, you know, close friends still to this day and everything. And just, yeah. Well, the fact being you can just like hang out with your two best friends and create music with them. I mean... You kind of have a better time than that, you know. <laughs> so I mean, there's not not many. I don't think there's not many bandmates that have been together for fifty years and can still call each other as good friends. I guess Rolling Stones would be another one comes to mind since they're still going. True, yeah, true, yeah. But there you go. So all right, okay. So that now, was our we now can't dance album, yeah. That's the we can't dance. Uh, we'll always love it. Just the other day, I was like, I was like, oh, am I am I correct? Is that my favorite album? Or was it Duke? But uh, as we've <laughs> as we've kept talking about it though, it's like though I I do, I do like it. I do I do still choose it. It's still number one for me. Yeah, it's still number. And one. And now as a way to the end of the the second part of this episode, I think Fading Lights is. I can't remember where I had it ranked in my top five songs, but it's gone. Uh, oh, I think actually, it's gone a bit higher again. Oh, actually, one last question we probably should ask ourselves, if you can, your favorite song in the album. Oh, that's right. We did a little bit. We forgot to do. Yes. Mm. Favorite songs on the album and ones we didn't like so much. Well, mm. I'll start with the one I was a little lesser one, which we kind of hinted at earlier, mm-hmm. is Since I Lost You. Still okay. a nice song, but it's a little less than the other songs. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's see. Top favorite songs in order. Uh, <laughs> Fading Lights. Okay. Naturally. Mm. Uh, no Son of Mine. Mm. And Driving the Last Spike. Okay. And then I have Way of the World as a very close runner-up. Yeah, yeah, that was very tough for me too. And I was kind of struggling between, ah, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I had, I felt like I've grown a really strong new respect for No Son of Mine and how incredible of a song it actually mm-hmm. is. But I am missing yep. just a little bit of that extra edge behind it because anyway, okay. it is just simply an intro, first chorus, first chorus, outro, end. So I am a little, I am missing a little bit of that um, extra song behind it. So. It was either a toss-up between something like Fading Lights. I mean, I was kind of wondering, like, well, tell me why, live forever, live forever, where the world's like, yeah, oh, no, no, no. Good I think songs. I all good songs. So I think at first I was saying to myself, Fading Lights. But then I found myself kept driving, very properly, driving back to driving the last spike. So actually, I think it, that's become now my favorite song oh, wow. on the album. So that's in there. I guess Fading Lights will be right after it. And follow them by. No, I think just in terms of the just. You were saying shit. a lot about Way of the World and how much you liked Way of the World. The, yeah, Way of the World is is fantastic, and with the keyboard solo and everything. So, so General Last Spike, Fading Lights. Oh, I think I I'll just go for the sheer respect for it. No son of mine. Straight after that, and then. Okay. You're living forever, Way of the World. Yeah, that's how I'll go with it. So, yeah, oh, it's tough. It's tough. But, um, yeah, oh, yeah. And then in terms of the, the least amount, then, yeah, I mean, I know it's important subject matter, but still, since I lost it, in terms of its sparsity and everything, you know, just in terms of its production, if it was maybe maybe made a bit differently, a bit more like with yeah. just Phil and Tony, that would have been a very interesting version to hear. 
you know, for example. And then Mike. But I mean, it's, it's, this is hard enough as it is. You have to pick. Someone has to be. Something has to be at the bottom, right? Yep. And if, if you make this, if make this better, then it makes our job even harder to pick. Yeah, and I and I think if, if if I had to choose between the two big slow ballads on the album, well, the, if you're excluding Hollow My Heart, um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never between between that never a time and hold on my heart, it's like yeah, well, since yeah. I lost you, I think I think just because of also it's it's quite it's it is very a very slow song as well, you know, and and, and it has. I this, think those are the two uh, the two shortest songs on the album. Totally yeah, too. and it has a waltz feel to it, a swing you know, like a one yeah. and. Uh, two I do like the. Three, um, I will so. say, I mean, it's unusual, but I do like the the drum roll intro, which is that on. That is nice. Too. That is nice. Yes, yeah. but yeah. Mm. So there we have it. Okay. Now, we are done. We're spent. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, okay. We, Good. We got we, done. We we thank you all. We thank you all for tuning in. Yes. And uh, thank you for staying with us thank for this two part two parter epic. We'll yes, be back. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed talking about it. And as you can tell, how much we talked about it, we enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. So we shall we shall be back. It will be uh, another random subject matter. Right. Meanwhile, then, it is good night from me. And good night from Virgil. And we thank you all once thank again. Thank you very much. And we'll see you all next yes. time. Me and Virgil chop some wood. But we stop by swinging just to listen to a cry. Thank you for listening to Me and Virgil, a Genesis Brothers podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can get new episodes as soon as they're released. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to mention us to your Genesis friends so you can agree or disagree with what we talked about on the show. Me and Virgil, a Genesis Brothers podcast, is edited by Dan Talander and produced and hosted by Dan Talander, a.k.a. me, and Alex C. Talander, a.k.a. Virgil. If you'd like to reach us to let us know what you thought about this episode, or if you wanted to correct something we were very wrong about, you can reach us at meandvirgilpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok under the handle Me and Virgil Pod for announcements and info about the show, as well as anything else we think you'd be interested in related to all things Genesis. For now, thanks again for listening. We really appreciate it, and see you on the next episode of Me and Virgil, a Genesis Brothers podcast. So real quick, Dan, because you're going to do a drum bit for this, aren't you? We're not going to have time to do it. (laughs) Okay.